from the center of the universe and the home of your Grey Cup champion, Toronto Argonauts. It's the X's and Argos podcast. Welcome to the X's and Argos pregame walkthrough brought to you by Something in the Water Brewing. My name is Ben Grant, joined as always by JB, and we are getting you set for the Toronto Argonauts' second game of the 2023 regular season. They travel to Edmonton to take on the Elks. And JB, before we get into our lineup today, I want to tell you a little bit about what's going on at Something in the Water Brewing. It's it's a great spot for right now. The weather's nice. It is now summer. They are just steps away from Lamport Stadium. So I know a lot of you listeners go down when you can to see Argos practice. It's a great doubleheader to go Argos practice and then walk a block to something in the water and grab yourself a drink. Uh, it's a perfect setup being right down there. And that's that's why it's why that brewery has a beer dedicated to fans of the double blue, because I, I don't know how it ended up uh, going down exactly. We'll, we'll tell you the full story, maybe get Darius Bladick in on it. But yeah, he wandered by there. He's in the area. It's right after practice there. It's right by the stadium. Whenever he's done with his day, you could walk by there, sit in one of those Muskoka chairs, grab a beer. And they're like, hey, you're a Toronto Argonaut player. How about we make a Toronto Argonauts themed beer? And that's sort of how Longboat was born. And Longboat still uh, available on tap only to X's and Argos listeners. It's not advertised. It's not displayed anywhere. Go down to something in the water, ask for a pint of Longboat, and they know that you are supporting X's and Argos and supporting a supporter of CFL and CFL podcasts. All right, JB, we got a huge lineup today. We've got news and notes. We've got uh, protecting Chad Kelly, the importance of that. Uh, who's going to be starting the secondary as guys start to become more and more healthy. I think Jamal Peters is ready to go. We've got an injury update for both the Elks and the Argos. Uh, a couple of big names that we want to talk about. Then we've got the game preview, OCDC, brought to you by the Business Barbershop and Spa. One thing, predictions, put me down for 20, and our CFL picks. All that more is coming up on this episode of the X's and Argos podcast. Right into things, JB. Jim Kelly, after the Argos game, says Chad's got to take care of himself. He's got to protect himself. He can't take unnecessary hits. And, you know, that's a guy that knows. Uh, How important is it for Chad Kelly to remain healthy for the Argos this season? Yeah, I think it's incredibly important. There there really is no plan B, as we've talked about. Um, You know, that's all a learning process. At the end of the game there, he was very lucky to to not have taken a big hit when he ran for that first down. And hopefully that scared him a little, not scared, but you know, maybe that reminded him um, of how fragile the season is and that he is not replaceable. He is a load bearing wall. And uh, yeah, I think exactly like, uh, like Jim Kelly says, you, you can play the way he plays, but you have to know that, you're letting your team down by getting knocked out. So you're not you're not being a gamer. You're actually being the opposite of who you want to be when you put yourself into high risk, low reward situations. And that's the thing, the low reward stuff. And maybe before I go on that, the play that you're talking about, in case listeners don't remember or didn't see that play, it was near the end of the game. Coach Dinwiddie called a run play. Technically, it's a read option. And Everybody assumes at that point, at that stage of the game, when it's a read option and it's a multiple score lead, 
the quarterback does not keep it. The read part is gone. But Chad, being the guy he is, is still out there reading the play. And so he's he's riding the ball across. I, I don't remember if it was Harris or, or Olette, but he's riding it across and he sees that defensive end tear after the running back. So he pulls it as you would if it were the first quarter. That would be the correct read. But yeah, Dinwiddie, I'm sure, just about had a heart attack on the sideline because he's not calling that play to, to have it be an honest read. He ends up, Kelly gets the first down, but he takes a hit. And it's it's like you're saying, this team is is loaded. The Argos are stacked at almost every positional group. The one place where there's vulnerability is back of quarterback. We just don't have experience there. We don't even have experience at, at starting quarterback, but we feel really comfortable with what Chad Kelly brings. So if something is going to go south for the Argos this year, it will be an injury to Chad Kelly. Everything else is pretty well covered. You can lose... And, and I can't even remember the last time you could say this uh, about a CFL team where you, you could lose three starters, uh, any three starters you want uh, on the team, and this team would be perfectly fine. They're already playing without Enoch Mwamba. They didn't even need to start Jamal Peters last week, even though they could have. And those two are arguably two of the best players on defense. So, yeah, yeah you, you just got to right. be smart. It's, it's a stacked roster. So how do they protect Chad Kelly? Because I don't think he's not, he's just not wired that way. I don't think you can really turn it off. And like, he knows, he does know, like he's, he's bright. He understands football really well. He gets what you're saying. It's not like, like Jim Kelly's talked to him about this many times before. We saw that from the Dave Naylor piece he did with the two of them. It's not like he doesn't know this. He does. But when you're out there and the adrenaline's running and you're playing football and this is what you've done your, your whole life. And his whole life, he's played to come. He's highly competitive. How do you turn it off? Well, I mean, you know, he, he just has to. I mean, there's no two ways about it. You you either you either can listen to coaching and adapt, or you can't. And and then it is what it is. It's like, how do you get a guy to stop throwing? You know off his back foot when he's being chased into coverage, you know, <laughs> you, you coach it, you teach it, you yell it and either the guys process it or they don't. So I guess that's what we're going to find out. How much of this is on coach Dinwiddie to not put him in situations like that, not yeah. call plays where there's an option or maybe don't even have him out there for the last. Yeah. I, I, I mean, you could definitely, you could definitely in, you know, if, if, if you, if you can't, you know, if you put yourself at risk, then the coach has to step in and, and say, OK, we're going to, you know, if if we were up by 10 or double digits, then we're bringing in uh, we're bringing in the backup to to run the clock. You know, I think that's that's an option if if you can't. But I, I have no reason to believe, you know, that Kelly won't. You know, he he played within himself all game. Um, I don't I don't have any reason to believe he won't he won't adapt. He, I really like how he responded to what we kind of highlighted as like his, his one big mistake um, and just sort of rewatching yeah. the game. No, I, I thought he played an incredibly mature game. So I'm, I'm highly optimistic that this will be all, you know, this will be fine. Yeah, no, I agree. Let's talk about the secondary because this is, uh, this is getting kind of interesting. You've got Jamal Peters, who's going to be ready to go this week, I'm sure. I, I think I would be stunned if he doesn't play this week. What do you do with the secondary? Quantas Stiggers looked great. He had an interception in the end zone. Really didn't make a mistake that I saw all game, live and on the rewatch. I think I thought he looked really good. McFadden played a good game on the other side. Actually, one of the best games I've seen McFadden play. And now you've got 
Jamal Peters coming back. But not just that, I don't think we're that far away from Robert Priester coming back either. So they could be in a situation where they have what they feel are four starting corners. What do you do with that? Like it's a luxury, but it's also almost, it, it's almost too much at that point. Um, yeah, I mean, it is, it is absolutely that a luxury. Um, you know, I think you, you, you definitely try and make sure that they both are getting halfback reps. And uh, so you're, you know, you're able to, to have the subs at, at every position because guys definitely go down and, and you don't want to be too quick to deal from depth. Um, however, I think you probably do entertain the idea of a trade. Uh, if you can get uh, potentially a little bit of value back for for um, a starter slash backup corner, maybe you can get a number three quarterback for short yardage. I don't. I don't know if that's an impossible. Uh, it's an tough. Impossible that, it's, conversation. It's tough. There are teams that need like certainly. Uh, any of those, like any of those guys, will be starting well for Edmonton this week. We'll get into that a little later, but yeah, yeah for Ottawa, I do. Maybe I think as, as an organization, if you have incredible depth, you look at areas of weakness and you you look around the league to see if you can build. I think that's just that's just you know do due diligence. My my worry about that is everyone's playing great in the secondary right now. We've we haven't seen Robertson Daniel make it through a ton of games. You know, what if what if suddenly two guys go down? Well, now suddenly we do need those guys. But but do you play? That's the thing. Like, I don't know. I don't know where the line is. I, I'm not a, a GM and I don't know if I would be a good GM where I would make these decisions because I think I would want to play it safe. And uh, you look at the roster and you're like, we've got all these great pieces. Why are we going to make other teams better? For <laughs> depends what you, depends. I mean, yeah, I think you're probably trading with a team that's not good. Um, yeah, but then are they? What are they giving you for? Well, that's what I mean. You have to. You'd have to have your eye on. I mean, I think probably backup quarterback. I mean, I guess you can always add another offensive lineman. Um, nobody, you know, if you if you feel there's somebody being underappreciated, you could go get that. But, but that would be my leaning. I might. I might. If there's an, you know, a if there's a backup quarterback that you think uh, has some potential, that uh, that might be what I would. I would you know look to. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, I I think I would I, I think I would at least wait for now. Like let's let's see how things go. Oh yeah, no, ride I, it for a bit. There's I no agree. hurry, no rush. And in the it meantime, depends on Priester's timeline. Yeah, and we don't know how far he is away. You know, he I, I think he's going to be back soon, but we're still probably talking a few weeks. Uh, I think if you can use them in the meantime, these guys getting reps around and getting, like you said, halfback reps, getting sandbacker reps so that you've got uh, multiple guys who can fill in. And everything that I've heard, everyone I've talked to with the Argos about Qantas Stiggers talks about how much of a savant he is with football, how he just picks up stuff immediately. He's a sponge, he's absorbing, and maybe, it, that's look, why he's maybe, way ahead. Maybe you get cute defensively. Um I know there are NFL teams that have seven DB packages that they put together. Yeah, I, I do like that. And Coach Mace has shown he'll do stuff that's sort of outside the box. That's interesting. You know, put in packages where you've got um, that that extra ability. And they, they're already kind of doing that with their linebackers. And that's sort of yeah, part of the plan I know. already. It doesn't quite work the same way in, in the CFL. but Right. But yeah, you can let, let's, let's see what they can put together. It's Again, it's a great, it's way better than to have the opposite problem. Uh, and that's something that Edmonton's going through this week where they're like, well, who's going to play? Corner? Yeah, you just bring, bring a couple of guys in at, at, at linebacker. And now, you know, you're going, 
you know, you basically have three defensive linemen and you know nine nine defensive backs. Let's get into the injury report. So uh, at Argos practice today, pretty good news. There were a couple little scares at the end of the game last week. We didn't feel like any were going to be long-term things or even things at all. And it turns out they weren't really. So you've got Darius Soraco, who's got an ankle injury. He was limited today. Curly Gittins Jr. with a hamstring was limited. I think they'll both go. Um, and then uh, Robert Priester didn't practice, but everyone else was full. So it's they're in a good spot. Obviously, they've got still some guys on, uh, on the sixth game. Um, but everyone who played last week, I believe, is going to be available this week. Uh, plus, they have the option of bringing some other guys back, like like Dwayne Hendricks with his ankles full and ready to go. Jamal Peters, I think, is going to be added this week. So, um, you know, that's that's something that uh, I, I, I think the, the Argus have to be pretty happy with. They've had injury issues over the last few seasons. So to come in this year and out of the gate, have a couple, but not sustain any major injuries in the opener is a pretty good thing. Uh, now, one thing, actually, while we're talking about injuries and Jamal Peters being back and stuff, we didn't talk about this in the last segment. Maybe this is a good time to do it. Tavares McFadden, his position isn't in stone at corner. He played really well last week. Is there any way you would look at putting Quantes Stiggers and, and Tavares McFadden in like an open competition for that field corner spot, assuming Peters is going to be the boundary corner? Um. Yeah, I mean, w- within reason, I think, um, you know, on a football team, you you it's a good football team is always a meritocracy, and and the, the best guy plays. Um, but having said that, also you do have to respect, you know, chain of command and seniority, and guys who have been there longer, and guys who are still getting it done. So. That that can be tricky to to toss somebody over for somebody else. I would probably, you know, unless the gap is significant in terms of who's better, I would say is is probably going to be Stiggers. You know, learning learning the playbook. But uh, look, he if he really if he really pushes it in practice, yeah, I, I could see that. They're they're both good. That's the thing. Like I, I was trying to yeah, think. I think, of it's, like... I think it's probably too close for him to take that position away from a vet, but right. Yeah, you know, I, I would say at this point it's probably more just him, you know, because he, he has almost no football experience um, at at even a collegiate level. So I think I think there's certainly plenty of time for him to to get practice reps. The other good news for the Argos uh, in terms of injuries is uh, Trevian Tate uh, was a full go. Uh, he's been dealing with a knee injury, so he's full. That offensive line room is also getting pretty stacked. Uh, and at some point, Darius Bladek is going to be back. So they're going to have some situations, assuming everyone stays healthy and knocking on wood that they do, but they're going to have a similar situation on O-line to what's going on in the secondary. But we know there are always injuries in football, so you know maybe these guys will all be needed at some point, but yeah, what a luxury. Looking over to the Elks and their injuries, there's two that stand out. So Manny Arsenault uh, didn't practice... Uh, this two practices in a row. Um, I think it was Dave Campbell that tweeted that out. Um, Dave Campbell is the the color analyst on on six thirty. He tweeted out that it's two practices in a, is in a row that he's sat out, and he also tweeted out that 
Uh, Ed Ganey, the, the starting boundary corner, has been put on the sixth game with a chest injury. And so obviously he didn't practice today. Those are the only two Elks that didn't practice. But the loss of Ganey is huge. Arsenal is a big deal too. Arsenal is good. But the loss of Ganey, they don't really have an answer for. So Ganey's their boundary corner. And unlike Toronto, they just don't have depth at the corner spot. They've got a ton of safeties. And they use their safeties a lot, especially in special teams. But they don't have, they just don't have that on their roster. And so uh, even just dealing with the, even dealing with the, the Ganey injury, they ended up making a transaction today and bringing back a guy they cut earlier, uh, a corner they cut because they realized uh, Marcus Lewis, I think was the, the corner that they brought back uh, and he was cutting camp. But with Ganey being out for six weeks, so they just don't have anyone else. So I wouldn't be surprised to see Marcus Lewis actually get right on the field, like go from not having a job to being dressed next week. Now, what did they do in terms of starter? Probably Purifoy. Uh, he he was a he was a corner in college, played corner. Actually, that's all he had played until he got to the CFL. I know in the CFL, we think of him as a safety because that's what he's been doing, whether it was with uh, BC or Edmonton. But they probably bring him over to corner. I, I think that's the only... That's the only thing I can see them doing unless unless they want to put a guy in off the street right in to start a corner. I think that's what they do. But this is a question. I want to ask you this as a DC. I think probably Gray is their best corner, like pure corner. He's playing the field spot. Do you just, if you're, if you're removing Purifoy, if you're moving him to boundary corner, you decide that he's the second best corner. Do you move him to boundary corner or do you move Gray to boundary corner and then move Purifoy to field corner. Like, what do you want? Yeah, your, I, do you I, want I tend to. I tend to go for or? a one-to-one substitution. I'm not. I'm not a big fan of a domino when there's an injury. You know, now you've got three guys out of position. I'm. I would say philosophically, I'm more about putting somebody in who who might not be the best substitute, but is simply a one-for-one substitution, and everybody else is still where they're comfortable, and and you just you know you plan around that. I think that's what I would also do. And I think that's what Edmonton's going to do. And that, just as a teaser for my OCDC, is an area I think right. the Argos can exploit. Right, of course. The, the downside of that is you've got a hole in the boat. <laughs> right. And so we'll, we'll see how that goes for the Elks. Let's do the game preview, JB. Uh, what does this one mean? How big, how big a deal is this game? Because I, I, I'm kind of torn on it. Because in some ways, I think <laughs> this is a must win. Because you can't um, lose to the Elks, and yet, I don't. Yeah, maybe it's televised. Okay. <laughs> Is it televised? Is yeah. this a radio only game? Yes, and don't forget that you can hear Mike Hogan and I with the call on a TSN radio, just in case it's not televised. But no, obviously it is televised. Yeah, I guess that's where I come down on how big it is. Uh, I, um, it is important though, like we talked about at the beginning of the season, the Argos first half of the schedule is where they need to make hay. Um, so that first seven or eight games, they really need to do well because uh, they have advantages on buys, on playing teams not coming off buys, on playing teams that are coming off road trips, all sorts of different advantages in the first half. And that disappears in the second half. And that, there, there's some uphill climbing in those in those final eight games. So I think it is important the way all of the first eight games are really important to to take care of business in in situations that you should because uh 
it's you have to look at the schedule and realize this is a game you you really you're going to regret not having this win. Yeah, I agree, and I think it's kind of like how we looked at both the Elks and Edmonton, uh, the Elks and Ottawa last year. They're just games that you have to win. If you are going to contend for the Grey Cup, then you have to beat the Edmonton Elks of the league, and they're obviously they're going to be pretty fired up. They got embarrassed last week, and if they well, if they're not fired up, then they're going to be some serious <laughs> challenge. Like, well, I can't imagine yeah, if they're not fired up. Um, you might be looking at at wholesale changes. Yeah, there. like that's it, right? So you have to expect them to be like the, just the competitors they are. They will be yeah. ready to go for this game. But you, as the Argus, you can't lose to the, you can't you can't lose no. to the Elks. You no, want to no, you can't you want to win a great cup. This is you a game. That, yeah, it's, this yeah. is this is professional win time. You're a yeah. better team. You have better talent. You just have to go out there and and enforce your will. A business trip, as they say. Yeah. Now. How concerned are you about the trap game element of this? Uh, Elks was getting shut out last week. Obviously, you look at the like the the Argos defense going to be watching Elks film this week um, where they pass really. for like ninety I, yards. I have found the coaching staff has over the last couple of years um, done a very good job of of not um, having the team um, fall into any kind of trap game idea. Uh, I know they have BC coming up after it, but I don't know if BC is a game that necessarily their eyes are on in the way that they might be if they were playing Winnipeg. So I don't I don't think BC qualifies as 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 worthy of creating a trap. I still feel I just feel uneasy about it. Edmonton hasn't won in their stadium since the 1500s, and yeah, no, going I, in I, there I, yeah. off, off a shutout. It just feels like a setup. I know, but, but they still, it they still have Cornelius as their quarterback. Unless I know, that and they've changes got holes all over now, the place. Unless somebody comes in and Scooby Doo's, you know, their rubber mask off their face, I think I think it's going to be okay. Yeah, they're 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 just not as good a team. Like you look at every no. positional group, I can't I can't find a positional group on Edmonton. That I mean, is I like better. the running back. Yeah, I know, and, I do too. Kevin Brown, and I like great. their wide receivers. The wide receivers um, are good. They've got they've got stars, um, but but again, it, but it also falls off a little bit after, and especially if Arsenault is out. But obviously, yeah, like yeah. Mitchell, no, no, Lewis, I, Dunbar, I think, yeah, yeah, I think I think they're they're not. Uh, I don't think they're a particularly good football team. So it's a must win game, then JB. Yeah, yeah, I would say. I mean, in, yeah, in, it's, in it's the way you have like, to, I I don't know, if must win is my phrase, or maybe I'm just playing semantics, but it's a win you have to have. Yeah. It, it's in the first half of the season. You got to make hay because uh, there's a storm coming. It's time for OCDC. OCDC is brought to you by the Business Barbershop and Spa. They invite you to experience Etobicoke's premier licensed men's grooming lounge for hair, face, and body care, celebrating 10 years in the Kingsway. And the first 50 clients who book a service will be entered into a draw to win $200 gift card. All you got to do is when you book, mention Argos all about the business, and you'll be entered into that draw. And uh, JB, I just went today. I've got a fresh new haircut um, I, I went down there. I had no idea what I wanted to do. I like, I'm a, I'm a guy that I, I don't actually care what happens to my hair. I, I basically said, do what you like. I just want to sit here and relax. For me, that's it. I just like sitting in a barber <laughs> chair, relaxing and not having to think 
um, mm-hmm. for a few minutes. That is that is my favorite uh, thing about getting my hair cut. So that was great. I left feeling like a million bucks. So yeah, next time you need a haircut, listeners, get down to the business barbershop and spa. You can find out their information on our website, uh, xsandargos.com, and just click on sponsors. OCDC, JB, I will start things off. Uh, well, let's do the bad guys first. We'll start with the El- Elks and their plan. So offensively for for the Elks, uh, we know we know partly what they're going to do. We know they are going to force feed Eugene Lewis. They are going to throw the ball to Eugene Lewis 500 times because he talked about it with the Edmonton media. It was today or yesterday, today, about how... Uh, he needs more targets and everyone knows that he needs more targets. And it's true. He does need more targets. And that's the thing. You've got to scheme him open. They weren't doing a good job of that last week. And that's what I want to see early on today. Toronto will typically give you underneath stuff. Lewis was way downfield a lot last week. So run pick routes for him, run underneath stuff, run quick screens to him, jailbreak screens, slip screens, all that stuff, just to get the ball into his hands. And then once that starts working, once that starts bringing people down, now you can now you can use your other guys. You've got you've got speed threats and deep threats, um, whether it's it's Mitchell or if Arsenal plays, um, they they've got other options. Uh, Dunbar, like they're they can go all over the place with the football. They just didn't last week. So it starts with getting some confidence for Cornelius. Short passes. Try and take advantage of the space that the Argos will give you and. I also do think it's important for Cornelius to run. That's another thing I want. He just didn't really do it against BC, but that's what makes him a threat whenever he is a threat. And, you know, I'm not a huge fan of of Cornelius as a quarterback. The games in which he has looked good are games in which he has used his feet. So I want to get him outside the pocket, get him on the move, really put put the Argos corners in conflict. If they're going to be playing flats, and they're trying to, uh, you know, make a call between taking a 10-yard out and a quarterback rolling to, to your side, that's great. Put him in that situation. So those are the two keys for me if I'm Edmonton this week. Eugene Lewis underneath, quick stuff, get him uh, get him the ball three yards downfield, doesn't matter, and run Taylor Cornelius, like at least, at least uh, 10 carries for Cornelius. That's what I want uh, from my Elks offense. JB, what are you doing for the Elks defense this week? How are you going to stop Chad Kelly and the Argonauts? Uh, I think that, you know, Kelly looked good, but he's still only past 60%. Um, I'm still not terribly worried about the running game uh, from a defensive coordinator point of view. Uh, I'm, I am uh, going to try and get more uh, pressure than Hamilton did. On Kelly, I think you have to definitely shift your defense every time. You can't ever let him know what he's looking at from his first look. So you you still have to challenge him to to be able to take a snapshot of the defense after the snap of the ball. Um, so from a defensive point of view, it's definitely a lot of deception. And um, you know, if you're Edmonton, what do you have to lose? I would I would throw a lot more zone blitz, a lot more blitz in in not likely or predictable situations. You have to try and get him feeling a little bit uncomfortable. That's that's what you have to do for for quarterbacks who don't have a lot of time. That's kind of the book on any quarterback. And Hamilton couldn't, but that doesn't mean it can't be done. So if I'm Edmonton, and we certainly know Coach has lots of tricks up his sleeve for young quarterbacks. 
Um, that's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to confuse him and I'm trying to get him seeing ghosts. And I thought Edmonton's defense actually played pretty well against BC. Like they weren't the reason. Yeah. No, they I mean, lost. Look, Coach, Coach Jones knows what he's doing. I mean, that's not going to be an issue there. Yeah. BC had one touchdown last week. Yeah. So, yeah, they're, that, they're right I there. I mean, I, I do think that is a potential issue. I do think that, you know, Coach Jones is a wily old defensive coach. And uh, sometimes that can be a problem uh, with the with the young quarterback. But certainly in the Toronto game, they had Hamilton pinned on what they were going to try and do. So we'll see what happens. Let's uh, switch over to the good guys. So as OC for the Toronto Argonauts, I've got a couple plans. Uh, the most important thing to me is I I want Chad Kelly to start doing the things he didn't do last week to avoid creating a book on him. Uh, a, a way that, you know, he's got to avoid tendencies because that's what every defensive coordinator in the league is focusing in on right now with Chad Kelly. They want to see what he does because there just isn't a lot of film on him. And so they're going to take last week's game. They're going to start looking at, well, what does he do in this situation? Where does he like to throw here? Where doesn't he like to throw? And what they'll see is on flood routes or flood concepts, which Coach Dinwiddie likes. And what I mean by that is like several receivers going to the same area uh, to the same side of the field, for example. Typically, most quarterbacks like to throw underneath if it's open. We saw McLeod Bethel-Thompson do that. So if you've got, let's say you've got a five-yard out and a 15-yard out, and one corner in zone is often going to split the difference between the two, they'll usually play the deeper guy because it's it's that's what you're supposed to do. It's more dangerous. They'll give up that underneath throw, and so they'll play closer to the deeper guy. And they're trying to take away both, but it, you can't. And so, yeah, most quarterbacks will play it safe and take the shallow guy. Chad Kelly, every single time last week when he was put in a situation where he had to make a shallow read, a medium read, or a deep read, he would take the deepest one available, the deepest one that was open. And if they're both open, he'll stretch it downfield. And I like that in terms of how aggressive it is, but it's a tendency that coaches are going to start playing into now. And so it's just one week of film, but I bet you this week, those flats corners are going to be bailing and looking to pick off those second level concepts. So part of my plan offensively is take the checkdowns this week. So erase the book, erase the data so that they've got to start fresh and they're open. It's not a bad read. It's not a bad throw. And they're going to be more open this week because the plan is to stop them. So that's one. The second thing is I want to get Chad Kelly out of the pocket, not to run, but just to change the launch point. We've already talked about how Purifoy is probably going to be over there at corner or some new corner that we haven't seen work with Thompson at the boundary half spot. We've got to change the launch point to make it more difficult. So even the angle is different, not just the position. Everything about it's different. And we know the communication probably won't be as solid between the boundary corner and the boundary half. So move the pocket challenge those dbs make them talk and then take your checkdowns when they're there to erase what defensive coordinators thought they knew where are you going jb um defensively i think lining 12 up will be helpful against edmonton i'm not sure much more needs to be done other than making sure that you have all 12 guys on the field you can't look past uh, them um i i would not send pressure uh, I I think a couple times they got burned last week on on screens and the quarterback getting out because the pocket collapsed and there was no um, lane uh, sort of discipline in the middle of the field. So I would I would 
make sure that doesn't happen, especially against Cornelius. Don't give him free 25, 35 yard runs. Um, so I would, you know, keep keep your lane discipline. You don't you don't need to sack Cornelius to beat him. Um, the sacks will come, but I would I would for me I would spend the first quarter shutting down the run. Um, you know, d- don't let them get any kind of confidence going, and then after that first quarter, uh, you know, really start because you know, hopefully we've scored a couple of times. Then shift your defense into a pass defense, and uh, you know, keep keep everybody in front of you. Keep your lane discipline. Keep uh, don't get downfield. Keep your keep your contain. Um and and force Cornelius to to nickel and dime you down the field because that's the recipe to to a nice win. So I think come out aggressive against Brown in that first quarter, you know, play complimentary football with the offense, getting the points. And then once you get up, then just sit back in the sit back in the weeds and, and wait for those passes. Does it worry you at all that the defensive tackles last week for Toronto abandoned the middle so often like with so many times we saw yeah. Bo step up because there was no one there yeah I mean I'm they'll see that on tape um you know so I think that that that's um you know d- depending on what it is you're trying to to accomplish I mean you can't you can't be going for a sack every play right some plays have to be just simply you're two gapping and you're engaging your receiver your offensive lineman and and you're just holding the pocket and trying to collapse the pocket. So my guess is they'll they'll look at that a little. Um especially against Cornelius who that's that's where you you're going to get burned. You just take that away from him. Just make make him throw the ball 30 times. Would you spy him? No. No, I don't, I don't think so. I'm not that level. I think if if guys just play without you know, constantly getting into gaps or constantly trying to 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 shift or or play games. I think if guys just play head up two gap, they can they can keep that pocket, you know, solid and then and then see what he can throw. It's time for one thing. Last week, your one thing was pretty. I don't know if you hit it or not, but it's pretty close. I think it sort yeah. of did the job. Uh, you... I, I thought Mwambo was going to play. Um, oh, honestly, I thought yeah. That. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, well, we recorded early in the week. I think. I think you know, like the sack exchange is is I think is going to come. I think once Mwamba is is healthy and playing, they can be even more aggressive because they can feel like he's going to clean up behind them. Um, so two sacks was you know they didn't do that very often last year. Though so I'm I'm I am optimistic that's coming around. But uh, I think my one thing this time is. Uh, is that I want to see, um, I guess, connected to my bet, I want to see Edmonton, or I want to see Toronto, uh, you know, uh, score a, a defensive touchdown against Edmonton. Um, the defense is not, hasn't been a scoring defense, and I'd, I'd love to see them add that to their arsenal. I think this team is, you know, fat picking, almost had a pick six uh, last week. I'd, I'd like to see this team get a little better at at, at scoring defensive points. And my uh, my one thing didn't come through last week either. It was close, but it wasn't quite there. I had I wanted Chad Kelly to um, have at least sixty five percent completion, and the first half sort of went that way. But the second half, um, he you know there were there was a, a slip, there was a, a ball thrown away, and he just didn't end up there. But it was the kind of game I wanted. So even though like fourteen of twenty three is not 
what I was thinking about in terms of accuracy, really the first half is what you grade Chad Kelly's passing on. They just didn't throw the ball in the second half. It was just run, 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 and then the occasional pass that um, they just didn't really have much luck uh, on. Right. I think, are, are you going for that again, the completion? No, that's not my one oh. for this week. I'm just saying oh, last week I, it didn't I, yeah, come through. Yeah, and I agree with you that if he plays a little more conservative, a little more check down, um, you probably get that that percentage up. So my one thing for this week is I want a first series touchdown drive. <laughs> I want them just to come up because that that will that might be enough. Edmonton's already on the brink, right? Like Edmonton just got shut out. They're not, it's not that they're turning on each other yet, but they're not far from that. And if you come out as Toronto, who just came off a big win last week, and you walk down the field in that first drive and just make it look clinical and score a touchdown, I think you're already going to have the Elks thinking, you know, well, like we're not going to win today. It's just not there. And remember, they haven't, they haven't won in the stadium. Like, I don't know how many players were on the team the last time they won in the stadium. Not many, if any. Um, they haven't won there in years. And so it's not going to take a lot for the fans to be like, oh, here we go again. And the players, you know, they just, they haven't experienced this. So walk down the field, score a touchdown in your opening drive. You can put this one away early. Edmonton's, if they get down big, they're not coming back. That'll be it. And they're going to start looking for next week and changes and, and you know, what the next step is. So start it off on the right foot. No to and out. Get down the field, score a touchdown. All right, JB, it is time for the prediction. What uh, do you think for this game? How's this one going to end? Um, I like uh, I like Toronto to take care of business. I, I like Toronto to win uh, 24-15. I'm similar on that. I, I've got 28-11 as my score. I just don't think... I, I don't think Toronto has any business letting Edmonton hang around in this game. I know they're still a professional football team, but... They didn't look like it last week offensively. The defense is still good, but there's going to be like, what's like, you can, you can answer this as, as a defensive coordinator. I know I can answer it as an offensive coordinator, but talking about this specifically, if you've got like an offense that isn't producing and you're trying to manage the defense, like the defensive guys have got to start getting frustrated. Like they have to on the, on the trip home from BC last week on the plane, they got to be like, man, the offense didn't get a single point. We held BC to one touchdown and they didn't get a single point. Like how much until that boils over? Like how, what's it going to take for that to just explode? This is where you answer the question. Yeah. I know. Um, like, is it a half? If they don't score in the first half, is it, is it going to erupt? Uh, I mean, they're so beaten down. Um, yeah, I mean, there's going to look, the, the, I'm sure that, that there were a lot of problems after the goal line stops and the people that Edmonton felt like the defense felt like they had won that game for the offense. And then the offense poured strawberry jam all over it. Um, so yeah, I, I do think you're, you, you run into a real problem there where, um, defense is a, is a position that requires you to to give of yourself in a way that's, you know, that you, you have to kind of risk your body and that equation changes the less you feel like it's going to result in a win, which is why bad teams often lose lots of games or lose games by big scores in contact sports, because you, you just can't put your body in that. So yeah, it is a dangerous line that they are crossing. If, if they get down 
and uh, and the offense is turning over the ball because they can't play against a team with a big lead. And when the Argos aren't playing them, I'm pulling for Edmonton. It's because of their fans. The Edmonton fans are great. The Red Blacks fans are great. When they're not playing the Argonauts, I want those teams to win at home. I just want their fans to see it. I'm cheering for them. But yeah, not this week. Not this week. Let's, uh, let's put that one off for another week. All right, let's get into put me down for 20. A uh, little recap here. Uh, JB, you lost both of your bets last week. You took a gamble. You had <laughs> Toronto winning by one between one and six points. They won by a lot more than that. And then you had Ottawa winning, which didn't happen. Um, I split last week. I had uh, 15 golden fleeces on Andrew Harris under 58 and a half yards rushing, which came through. And then I had a, a parlay with Winnipeg and Edmonton and Edmonton did not help me out for five golden fleeces. So currently I stand at 213 golden fleeces and change. Um, you're at 181 and uh, we started at 200. So um, before we get into our uh, golden fleece wagers today, I just want to remind you that while gambling can be a fun way to enhance your sports viewing experience, it's important to do so responsibly. Set a budget, don't bet more than you're happy to lose, and if you or anyone you know develop a problem with gambling, you can call the Ontario Problem Gambling Helpline, one 230 right, JB, let's get into our bets this week. So, We've got to make one Argos bet and one bet somewhere else in the league. Uh, let's start with your Argos bet. Where are you going for uh, this wager? Uh, my Argos bet, I, I went back and forth on a, a couple of choices. Um, but uh, I uh, I really like um, the Argos defense to score a touchdown anytime for plus 330. Uh, I'm pulling for that. I think Edmonton could turn over the ball. Peters is back. He's going to be ball hawking like crazy to try and make an impression. Uh, I like Argo's defense to score. Plus 330. That's a nice payout. So. Yeah. And like, that's nice. Yeah. That's nice. That's nice juice. And my Argo's bet, uh, I'm going to take Devaris Daniels to score a touchdown at plus 150. I feel like he's sort of got Edmonton's number somehow. He scored a touchdown late the last time these two teams played. In which was a really close game in Edmonton, and that touchdown made the difference. It put them ahead with just like a, a few minutes to go. AJ Olette ended up putting the game away, but yeah, Devaris uh, stepped up, and I think he's going to be on the side that there are question marks about. So I feel like between he and Coxey, who are going to be on that side, one of them is going to score a touchdown. I think Devaris Daniels didn't have the big game last week. Coxey did, so I'm. I think we're more likely to see a big game from Daniels this week. Uh, where are you going for with your other 10 golden fleeces around the league, JB? Uh, my other one is the brewing quarterback controversy in Hamilton. And uh, I have uh, Sir Matthew Schultz scoring a touchdown anytime, uh, plus 200, and uh, and then lighting Hamilton on fire. <laughs> so that that's uh, that's kind of a double-sided bet for me. But I'm, I, I like him. I, th- I think he's... I think he's going to come in and uh, and get that done. Even even if he doesn't start, he is definitely going to get the short yardage stuff in the in the red zone. I want to talk about the Hamilton quarterback controversy later when we get to our CFL picks, but I've got a I've got a couple of interesting thoughts on that. Um, I like that bet. Plus two hundred is nice too. Um, my 
other 10 golden fleeces. I'm going to put uh, straight up on Saskatchewan on the money line. I've got them at plus 140. I just think that's a really tight game. I think that's a coin toss kind of game, Saskatchewan, Calgary. I think they're pretty similar teams. I think Saskatchewan might be slightly better. And so I, I know it's in Calgary, and I know they're supposed to have a, a better crowd out than they did last time, but plus 140 I like. So that's where my 10 golden fleeces are going. CFL picks. So I think we're going to be on the same page a little more than usual this week. We'll see how we do. Uh, but I think there's some there's some big spreads this week. So we tend not to get uh, a lot of risk taking. So BC at Winnipeg. Uh, I'm going to take Winnipeg for this one. Are you going with BC or is this Winnipeg for you? Uh, I like Winnipeg here uh, still. I just think they're the best team in the league. I think and they're the best team in the league. I I'm not even sure they. I don't even know that they've played well. Like I don't feel like they played that well against Saskatchewan. I thought Saskatchewan played really well, and Winnipeg won by like twenty. So. Yeah. No, I I agree. I think I think they are they are mad they didn't win the Grey Cup, and they are on a mission. And they have to view BC as a threat. BC has won both of their games by double digits. And they're coming off a shutout win. Winnipeg is not going to be sleepy on the BC Lions. So I, I think you're, they're going to get the uh, you know, both barrels from from Winnipeg. Uh, Montreal-Hamilton, this is a tough one. These are one of the two tough games here. Um, who do you think is going to win between those teams? I've got Hamilton. I'll tell you why afterwards. Do you have Montreal or Hamilton? Um, I do have Hamilton. I have Hamilton at home. Uh, I, I I don't think Hamilton is as poor. I, I think Hamilton had a tough break. They had to play, they had to go to Winnipeg. They had to come to Toronto. Um, I I think sh- that uh, Schultz is going to be hot, and I think they're going to be at home, and that crowd is going to be hot. And I don't think Montreal is particularly good. Um, so I think you you put all that together, and that's a Hamilton win. I agree with all those things, and uh, I'm laughing because I do think Schultz is going to play well. Because that's, in some ways, it's the worst thing that can happen to Hamilton. Because like you alluded to in the previous segment, there's going to be a quarterback controversy. There's there's one already. Like Hamilton fans already are all over this, uh, talking about how much better Schultz played last week than Bo Levi Mitchell. And the thing is, it's, it's really not true. Like statistically, <laughs> yes, his stats or were better. Well, yeah, I know you want to feed that. But the thing is, I was talking about this today with a, a bunch of Argos fans who wanted to go down to Hamilton to see the game just to see the fire that is uh, going to be burning because because there's nothing that can go right for Hamilton this week. Because you think about this, if if they lose, then yes, they know, okay, well, I guess Bo's the quarterback, but they're 0-3 and they're in the basement of the East. If they win... Now suddenly everyone's going to want Schiltz to start and Bo Levi Mitchell is going to be healthy, if not next week, the week after. He's going to be dressed for this game, as I understand it. They were all over the map. He's not going to play. He's going to dress, but he's not going to play, but he'll dress and be the third quarterback. He's not healthy enough. That's why he's not playing. But it's just a a mess of a situation. So no matter what happens, Hamilton loses this week because even if they win, they've now got a quarterback controversy and they're paying a lot of money to Bo Levi Mitchell. And and it's not even correct. Like he's he's he should be the guy. So that's I know Argos fans are delighted about the situation that Hamilton finds themselves in. So we'll see what goes down on so that's the Friday night game. Uh that's gonna be a good one. Saskatchewan Calgary. So I've already told you that's my bet. So I'm picking Saskatchewan over Calgary. I, I think Saskatchewan looked pretty good. They 
They looked okay in the opener. They kind of they probably should have lost Edmonton. They looked okay. It was the first game with all sorts of new parts. They look good against Winnipeg. It's just it's Winnipeg. So I think they beat Calgary. What about you? Uh I went back and forth on this a long time. Um I know I like Saskatchewan early preseason, but it's possible Saskatchewan is not very good. And Calgary, although Ottawa is not good, Calgary really went in and dominated them. So I'm I'm gonna go Calgary at home. All right. And we both have Toronto over Edmonton. So our only difference this week is uh, the Saskatchewan-Calgary game. On the season, we're both 5-3, and three, JV. Uh, so you're off to a much hotter start than you got <laughs> off to last week. Or Plus, last week. I have an asterisk there since Edmonton should have won their game. You can't. That is, that's not a thing. So, uh, yeah, this is going to be a good one. Um, Sunday night. Uh, Sunday night again. What do you What do you think about the Sunday night? Before we sign off, what do you think about the Sunday night football? I, uh, I like it. I I think it's I think it's a nice TV window. Um, and look, I thought the turnout at the home opener was pretty good. Fifteen thousand. That's a that's a nice Argo number. It's just short of sixteen, and not yeah. not yeah, boosted no, by nice. Cats. Um, I like Sunday night football. I think in the summer it's an open window. Uh, there's, you know, there's Sunday night baseball, but that's not really a thing in Canada and the Jays are never on it. Uh, so I, I think it's a window to be filled. I, I think having a Sunday night game every week, it makes sense to me. Surprisingly, the numbers weren't very good for this one. I, I thought they would be Ham, uh, Hamilton, Toronto, uh, with, especially with not, there not being a lot of Hamilton fans in attendance. I actually I thought think- the, the ratings would be good, but they weren't. I think it was the worst. Uh, Justin Dunk had that up on on three down nation. And I think it was the, the lowest rated game of the week. Uh, yeah. Like I'm, I'm not entirely sure. I mean, one of the challenges they have, we've talked about is how they have games on it, you know, Tuesday at 10 AM and then Thursday at four and then Saturday at 4 PM and then Sunday at 6 AM. And it can be hard to develop a schedule or a following when uh, you're not sure what day uh, football is on, but I, I do believe in the Sunday night game. I would love to see them, kind of push it like the Friday night game and and have it be a regular a regular thing that uh, that they push with a little a little bit of advertising. Yeah, I I like I think there's something there too, but it, like you're saying it's got to be a consistent time. Like it's it can't yeah, be, it's all over be the Sunday map. night football. Like I, know. I mean maybe you come up with a different name, but you know, you can say, you know, we've been we've been waiting all day, eh? <laughs> because I hate that about like, you know, there's a Friday night game. You're like, all right, Friday night football is right. you sit down and you're like, what? It doesn't start till 10. Like, oh, oh I know. I, you're right. It's got to be the same time. You just have to force those Western teams to play at a reasonable time. And Sunday night has to be like seven o'clock. And it's got to be every Sunday, no matter who's playing and, and try and come up with a Canadian name for Sunday. Well, that will just about do it for us on this episode of the X's and Argos pregame walkthrough. For JB, this is Ben Grant saying so long, and may all your pre-snap reads be good ones. I'll see ya.